At the western edge of a fallen world lies a cliffside village, harboring the last survivors of the human race, those who chose exile over death. They train day and night confined to their hideout, their legacy cursed, survival their sole porpoise. Legend of Warns, a demon army bound to strike again, eager to completely eradicate humans. One day that begins like in so many others, a young ninja is about to be visited by a western hero. And his name is... Now you're playing with power, superpower. Sonic 2 handles stubborn stains, embarrassing bald spots, no problem. Warning, incoming game. Two best friends get sent back to the year 1990X. Now they have to play games the old school way. No guides, no internet. No way! This is the Retro Reset Podcast. Call in game tips at 747-21-RESET. That's 747-217-3738. Ask your parents for help. Yeah, the internet fixed um, Sonic the Hedgehog, the, the nightmare fuel that is the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. You see, and he actually looks halfway decent. And they pointed out that the whole reason he looks so weird and gross is because they tried too hard to make him look human-like. So right, he looks which, more like a chimera instead of this otherworldly hedgehog. He looks like an accident that happened in Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Like it, he looks like it looks like <laughs> Edward. He just Ed, looks like a mistake. Big he brother. looks like a mistake. He does. And you know, I've seen people on both sides of the fence here. I, I really have seen people on both sides of the fence. I've seen some people defend it. I've seen some people say, um, you know, you're complaining about a kid's movie. I'm not so much complaining about a kid's movie personally, uh, so much as I am expressing my sadness that the Sonic franchise is kicking me in the dick again. As a longtime fan. Yeah, no, and it's not even like the internet's shown that this this could all be fixed easily. Uh-huh. And maybe they will. Maybe oh, they will. I doubt maybe it. like, oh yeah, I know, but they keep doing this. Like they did P- they don't care with Pikachu. Why uh-huh. can't they just why isn't Sonic always just get the shaft? I don't know. Ugh, like we, we get like God. one nugget of goodness every like five years or so. We got yeah, um we got Sonic Generations. Got Sonic Mania. And Sonic Mania, but those were huge, huge swaths of time apart. And what came in between those that was any good? That was Sonic Mania w- was like a fan project too. That's the funny. Yeah, part. that's a, that's a another thing. Is it, it just feels like the people who are running things over at Sega don't really know what fans want. And Sonic Mania was like the moment where they were like, "All right, we'll let the fans make the game they want," and it was amazing. And then they're like, "Let's go back to normal and, and release Sonic Forces." It's like someone took a kid, like a like a like a uh-huh. young kid, uh-huh. and they stuck him in a furry suit, and then they just like cooked it onto him, and that's Sonic. It's it, like his eyelids are really weird too. Look, I'm you know I'm as much as anybody. I I think that it's not really affecting me all that much. It's a you know it's a silly kids movie that's bad, and there's fifty billion of those every year. I yeah. think it's just more disappointing because it's like I would have killed for a Sonic the Hedgehog live action film as a kid, and now that it's here, it's like, oh no, you don't, don't, you don't have to. Be careful what you wish for. This is like the the worst Goosebumps book ever. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> One Sonic, child fast and fast into the trash can. <laughs> One, <laughs> One child. 
wished for a Sonic the Hedgehog live-action film, and he got it. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> I'm gonna go fast. What is that? Uh, the meow thing was also, like, what is that? What are you saying? Meow? Haha, <laughs> it's a cat. Uh, Plus, isn't he supposed to have, like, attitude? Isn't he supposed to be, like, edgy? I mean... In Sonic X, he's like, whatever, I'm gonna go sleep on the roof. Yeah, I thought that was weird. He's like he's like trying to hide for some reason. He's there to save the planet, but he's also trying no to save. No one can catch him. You know, that's the he's... whole thing. I mean, that's always been his thing. Yeah, it's it's weird. Uh, I don't know. the The one bright spot for me is Ben Schwartz. I think he's awesome and hilarious, and I think he's a a good voice actor. Um, so I think he's actually right for the role. I just think that the role is in a furry uh, bodysuit that nobody asked for. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I know. It's, Some, it's terrifying. Yeah. Somebody made the point that uh, that this, this Sonic and the Pikachu game is like the first entry uh, movies into the Smash Brothers movie universe. If they all look so, like that, cancel it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pikachu didn't look terrible. No, Detective Pikachu actually looks good. I, I'm really excited for Detective Pikachu. Pikachu is kind of scary. Pikachu. Yeah, I think everything in there is a little bit like creepy because it's kind of a dark, gritty film. But it is how I think it's probably the best possible outcome for a live action Pokemon film. I think they yeah. did. I think they did it as. As mo- as realistic looking, but also as true to the silhouettes of the original designs as they possibly could, and it turned out really well. I- I'm really excited to watch it actually, and it it is just a polar opposite reaction to the Sonic movie. Yeah, I know. At least we get Jim Carrey as Doctor Robotnik. I was pretty excited about that. Yeah, I think he'll be funny. I I don't know. You know, I'm going to be there day one. I'm part of the yeah. problem. I'm going to buy. I'm going to pre-order a ticket, and you and me are going to be sitting yeah. in the theater day one watching Sonic the movie. You know, we're going to be in line waiting to walk in with all the other 11-year-olds, 10, 11-year-olds. You know like this movie is going to be adults. This movie is going to be mostly adults watching it for the, for the memes. You think so? You think so? They're just going to go in there Absolutely. and watch it? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Just diehard Sonic fans that are just there to have their dreams ruined in front of them. I don't think just diehard Sonic fans. You know, uh, Alex <clears throat> and Drew are actually going to, and they're former guests on one of our other podcasts. Um, Alex and Drew are shall going to, um, uh, are, yeah, <laughs> he who shall not be named, beware. That's what I'm uh, <laughs> name it now. Yeah, the, the cast that shall not be named, beware. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I love it. Um, but Alex and Drew are are gonna go they want to go day one as well because it's going to be so ridiculous i mean how can you miss the first sonic live action film and probably the last sonic live action film i don't know man that was made by the creators of fast and furious this might be new the new fast and furious franchise it's gonna be the fast and the furious (laughs) that's right the fast and the furries (laughs) okay so we do have a show right we have a show that that shall be named that shall be named. The yeah. podcast that shall be named shall be named by everybody, and that's Retro Set Retro Reset Podcast. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Retro Reset Episode Three, the show where we are resetting our gaming brains and rediscovering the worlds of gaming for ourselves. I'm Alan Jenkins. I am Kyle McCluskey. We're gonna do it. We're gonna play games through the eyes of a wee youngin 
back in the 1990s, or as an adult back in the 1990s. Yeah. No internet, no walkthrough, no guide, just relying on friends and rumors. Friends and rumors. So you Using know, that old telephone. You know we're going to be going. We're going to be going to that truck in uh, Pokemon and seeing if Mew's there. Yeah, basically, yeah. I'm going to yeah. try for my entire weekend, get really angry, then punch the kid who told me about it the next weekend. Yes. So as soon as the weekend's over, I'm just going to go to school and punch him. You jerk! Mew wasn't there. Then he gets suspended. Then blame myself when my dad leaves. Remember that rumor where people said you had to defeat Cruel Smash uh, in order to get Sonic in Smash? Uh-uh. I yeah, never heard that one. It's like you could do you could do Cruel Smash for like 100 hours or something. I can't remember the exact room, and I'm not going to be asked to look it up. But um, you could get Sonic in uh, Melee, people used to say. That was mm-hmm. like the big rumor back then. Which a lot of that stuff doesn't hold up now because, I mean, not just because we have the internet, but because nobody gates anything behind hours and hours and hours of work anymore. Right, you could get the Shinobi armor in in Halo, and that was like this huge deal, um, or Halo Two or whatever game it was from. I didn't play Halo. I just know that there's a, a special armor you can get That's if you work hard more enough. Than I knew. <laughs> um, but nobody gates it that way anymore. It's all like pay to pay to get stuff. Yeah, you gotta get in a crate. You gotta get in a loot crate. You get in a loot crate, or you buy a DLC costume like in Borderlands. But there's no there's no getting cosmetic items through spending hours of working at that, which Honestly, I I, I kind of like, to be honest. I just want my character to look how he looks and how I want him to look, and I don't want to have to work for it. Yeah. I do but, like changes, but it's kind of nice when it's just, like, integrated into the system. Yeah, for sometimes. sure. Instead of, like, oh, you have to go get to kill 250 of these things or whatever. Right. Yeah, it can get boring. Uh, and I think, you know, it's just ridiculous to think that, like, Nowadays, it's ridiculous to think, oh, they're going to gate, like, the biggest character add to Super Smash Brothers ever, which at the time, Sonic being added to Smash would have been, would have blown people's minds. Because there weren't any yeah. third-party characters. They're going to gate something that big behind, like, hours and hours and hours of work for the player and it's not true. tell anybody about it. That's going to happen. And at the time, we just ate that shit up. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was just, like, it's so crazy, you know? It might mm-hmm. be true. You never know. Never know. You gotta try it. You gotta try it. Dude. I was like, I heard before. I did like my cousins were telling me about how, oh, like, oh yeah, you know, if you uh, if you beat Super Mario World and do all the special stuff and you come back, it's like it's an autumn time. And I'm like, what? Like it changes the color palettes or something. Yeah, I, I remember like, oh, when wow, I discovered that. That's amazing. That. Whoa! Mm-hmm. And I had, I had, I didn't believe them, but like mm-hmm. I found out about it. So it's really cool when they do do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then again, now now in the day and age when you have to work and stuff, you're like, oh, you have to play through the entire game first. You're like, oh, wait, really? I don't really? think I'm going to get there. <laughs> Too no, lazy. Especially not on games that average like 40 hours. Yeah, no way. No way. Nope. When, it's, when it's something like Super Mario World where you can, you know, pick away at it for a couple weeks and, and put 20 hours into the game and unlock the next section, that's one thing. Like, I did that. I actually discovered the autumn section of uh, uh, Mario World as a kid, like, completely out of the blue. Nobody told me about it. I just had it on uh, Game Boy Advance. I wanted to 100% yeah. it, and I did. And then I was like, wait, what's happening? How come everything's a yeah. different color? And it changes the Koopas mm-hmm. and the Goombas and stuff like that. I just thought that was cool. Yeah, that was amazing. And we're definitely going to do an episode times. on Mario World at some point, for sure. Oh, yeah. So, uh... What's that number people can call to leave hints? 
Oh, yeah, if you want to leave hints, tips, or memories about the games that we play uh, for us to play on the show, then call 747-21-RESET. That's 747. I'm not going to remember the exact number. But you can also text us and you can email us at RetroResetPod. Yeah, that's that's the one. Uh, you can email us at RetroResetPod at gmail.com or tweet us at RetroResetPod. Everywhere is RetroResetPod. Uh, but, you know, there's this little something special about this episode that I think people need to know about. Oh, yeah, what's that? We're on iTunes. Oh, yeah. Well, we're I'm actually, the, we're not I yet. We're not yet. Oh, we're not yeah. yet, but as when this comes out, we're on iTunes. Oh, okay. Well, I, I so mm-hmm. it is yet, because when this is out, we'll be on iTunes. So it is yes. on iTunes right now. Yes. Right for, now, for in the, the listeners, In the future. For, yeah. We're using our time travel machine to tell you that we're now on iTunes, hopefully. <laughs> it usually only takes a couple days, so I'm really crossing my fingers here on this one. But that is cause for celebration. So we are running a little contest, everybody. Oh. Yeah. Up for grabs. Can I play? Uh, you can, but All right, cool. I'm not going to give you a prize. Oh, that sucks. I'll give, you a, crisp, I'll give you a crisp like high a five. a pretty stupid contest. Wow. <laughs> uh, so uh, the contest, if you uh, go and review our show on iTunes, uh, and we may re- read reviews on the show, so you know, make sure to keep it at least somewhat PG-13, uh, but go and review the show on iTunes, and we will randomly select after a month uh, of reviews and give away a t-shirt designed by me for the show welcome to 1990x and you can look on our instagram for a picture of the shirt design it's pretty cool um and we're going to be giving away um one t-shirt uh, like i said as well as a 20 dollars eShop card Ooh. um so the first prize uh grand prize is a t-shirt and the 20 dollars gift card and uh the runner-up prize is a t-shirt and if i ever see you uh, a crisp high five for the third place winner Yay! It could be. You. I mean, could be me. If if you ever see, you have to get third place though. If you get second place, you can't get the high five. You can't have all of the above. Yeah, there's no all of unless, the above situation. Unless we're randomly at a con and we happen to see somebody wearing the t-shirt, which we will give you a high five. Yes, indeed, indeed. All you have to do to enter the contest is just review us on iTunes. Uh, we will call out that uh, winner after a month. That'll be in June, at the very beginning of June. Um, and contact us over our email, and we will uh, get your address and send you the prize. Hot diggity. Yeah, pretty exciting. So next week, what are we playing, Kyle? Fatal Labyrinth on the Sega Genesis. Ah. Yep, coolest soundtrack uh, ever. It's amazing. Just yeah, that fa- song, really. You can Fatal, just listen to that and never, nothing else. The, the yeah, the, the second level song is not so great when you get yeah, to the uh, yeah. But the third one's okay, said, but the the first one is just like, oh yeah, you're gonna die, but uh, mm-hmm. you're still gonna do it while dancing. Yeah, it won't put you in a bad mood. It's very it's a very groovy soundtrack. Fatal Labyrinth is awesome. It's a classic. Uh, it's very much worth your time. Uh, so go ahead if you've played uh, Fatal Labyrinth before, or you have some tips and tricks, you have some memories. Uh, send those in again to 747-21-RESET. That's 747-21-whatever-it-is. Kyle, let me know. 211-911-748-92485. That one. Yeah. 
gets longer every time. That's it's. I really, think it's seven really four crazy. seven three eight or something like that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I slept since then. I slept Alan, since the first half. Future Alan, edit that. Edit that in. Yeah. Okay. Do that. There we go. Future Kyle, stop being dumb. Uh but okay. for today, we've got a very special episode of Retro Reset. Today we'll be playing the Messenger for Nintendo Switch PC. And now PS4, Before, I think. Uh, just yeah. last month, yeah. Um, so The Messenger uh, is an incredible game that came out last year on August 30th, 2018 for PC and Switch. Um, it's uh, won several awards, um, and it is a... How would you explain the type of game The Messenger is? Basically, as an, as a, uh, it's, as a classic car, a well-kept classic car... With a new fresh coat of paint on it. That's yeah. how I describe it. I would That's say it kind of maybe has a new engine too. Yeah, a new know? engine. It's like been fully it's, restored. Yeah. It's all it's in a classic body, but like it's all it's all new and, and nice and That's interesting. A- that's a really good way of uh, describing it, I think. It's it's you know, it's this thing that's been taken, it's already good. Everybody already loves it, but there's some things about it that aren't so great. Like older cars don't have that great of gas mileage. Uh, older cars maybe don't take uh, unleaded fuel. Maybe they don't have an air conditioner. This has. They really don't have continues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this game has all of the beauty and and fun and reasons for loving the game that a retro game does, uh, with all of the bells and whistles and quality of life improvements that make modern games flow a lot better than some old games do. So uh, the messenger is pretty heavily based on, um, or not heavily based on, but uh, pretty heavily uh, influenced by uh, the Ninja Gaiden series, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And Ninja Gaiden, uh, if you uh, are not familiar with Ninja Gaiden, was an NES trilogy of games. If you're on a retro gaming podcast, you probably know what Ninja Gaiden was. Uh, But Ninja Gaiden, uh, how would you rate the difficulty of that game? Like how many... Uh, how many nut- ninja stars? How, how many <laughs> how many nut shots out of ten would you say that game is in terms of difficulty? Uh, at least nine. Least nine shots yeah. straight to the nut. Straight, no cup, uh, minimal padding. I'm talking pitched, about like pitched by Roger a, Clemens. Yeah, just straight into just the straight baby to maker. The balls, no curve, yeah. just just 100 fastball, 100 miles right per hour. Into- Right into the family fruit. Family yeah, that game is incredibly difficult, um, and yes. I, I don't think I don't think it's because of actual difficulty. Ninja Gaiden is hard in a lot of ways because it's cheap. It's very cheap. I love Ninja Gaiden. Don't get me wrong, and I've gotten pretty far in the game, uh, but it's incredibly cheap with its enemy placement. The enemies respawn everywhere, and you get a couple of lives, and it's one of those games where. If you die, you know enough times, yeah. you're starting all the way at the all beginning the of way back. Yeah. At, at, uh, all the way at the beginning of the level, right? You don't have to start all the way at the beginning of the entire game. That's fine. Um, but there's no saves, so if you want to turn the game off, yes, you're starting over. And some of the levels are incredibly long with multiple different sections and different graphical oh, yeah. styles. Um, some of them even continue after like you kill the boss, don't you? Doesn't it? I can't remember exactly. I, I think the last one you fight a boss and then it continues. If I remember right, it's I've I've watched a let's play uh, all the way to the end of Ninja Gaiden 
Um, I can't remember exactly how it goes, uh, hmm. but it's it's hard. The point is, it's incredibly difficult, and not for a good reason, not for the right reasons. No. Uh, but the messenger uh, sort of takes what Ninja Gaiden did and improves on it and makes something new entirely out of it uh, that is way better than its predecessors. Although, I don't know if you'd hear the devs make that statement because the devs love Ninja Gaiden as well. Ninja Gaiden devs actually played the messenger uh, when it came out. There's a whole video on that, and you can check it out. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, oh, yeah. The, the the gaming atmosphere is a lot different back then, too, because right. they had to make their games last longer. They had to justify the purchase back then. For real, you know? yeah. And they were, you know, something like Ninja Gaiden would have cost around, I think, like $60, $69 at the time. Not to mention, despite its cheap difficulty, mm-hmm. the bragging rights for actually beating it were pretty substantial. I mean... Yeah, that is a game there. that if you beat it, you you know you were the top dog on the playground. Yeah, pretty much. No one messes with you anymore. Bully, yeah. the bully will never mess with you. He'll never take your money again. You get asked, he's like, give me your money. Yeah. I'm the bully, com- the bully comes bully. up and he's like, hey, give me your, give me your lunch money. And then his friend goes, no, nah, no, nah, Jimmy, no, nah. he beat Ninja Gaiden, dude. Don't, he's like, don't. He, back off, dude. He just turns around and like removes his sunglasses and he has like a ninja mask on somehow. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Oh, no, he is the Ninja Gaiden. (laughs) (laughs) So some special editions or remakes of this game. Obviously, it's uh, pretty new, but a limited run, uh, a limited run from limited run was created. Uh, Still on pre-order, but there's no no physical copies actually left to pre-order. It's completely sold out because people love this game. uh, And with good reason. Uh, But there's a physical edition coming out soon uh, this year. Uh, that, again, has, has already sold out, yeah, for Switch. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you could probably get it on eBay or something when it comes out because I'm sure somebody will sell it again. Yeah, I imagine there's going to be resellers, although I think Which limited a bummer. Is... I was a bummer. I really wish that I knew it was running, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool have. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that in the modern era is really difficult. Um, I have always been a person who buys physical copies of games. Same here. Until the Switch. Uh, on the Switch, I buy digital game after digital game after digital game because I just want them. You know, I want them right then, and a lot of them don't come out physically. Um, yep. Most of the indie games that are coming out for Switch, they're they're getting a lot of physical releases as uh, bonuses or as special editions, and I don't usually have seventy, eighty, ninety dollars to drop on a physical copy of a game because uh, they're usually a little bit more expensive. Um, I think the limited run version is like 40 or 50 uh so it's not that much beyond the pale and i would personally say after having played this this game is worth that i think it's worth more than it's on the store for personally um i think it's set at a great price point i think 20 dollars is a perfect price point for the for the game but for me personally i feel like i got more than 20 dollars worth of value out of it and that's my dog in the background making Annoying noises during the show. That's kind of fun. That's what dogs do, man. Welcome to Dogtown. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a dog, dog eat dog world out there. Not a whole lot to talk about this time in terms of uh, media or magazines or anything leading up to the game. Uh, we're not going to do that kind of deep dive uh, yeah. into the episode. Uh, we do, they however, have t-shirts though, didn't they? Uh, there is like one T-shirt for sale officially on FanGamer, uh, and and there's a couple of enamel pins, but there's really not a whole lot of merch associated with the game, which I think 
maybe a missed opportunity. Uh, people are really digging on this game right now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if more merch comes out later this year, though. They're releasing uh, free DLC for the game. So they'll, oh, probably, yeah? they'll probably do a, a marketing push for that. Yeah. When are they going to do that? Uh, they don't have a release date yet, as far as I know. Um, let me look this up here. Go into the archives here again. Uh, the Messenger Picnic Panic. Um, so it just says it's coming this year, but it is free and it has new levels, new visual style. Um, it's a beach episode. Think of it that way. They're, ninjas take a vacation sort of thing. Oh, yeah? That sounds yeah. Like fun. Is there going to be like a volleyball minigame? I hope there's a volleyball minigame. I really hope so because I don't think any beach episode of a show or a hot springs episode or vacation version of a game i don't think any of them are complete without a beach volleyball that's right know, situation some scantily clad eight-bit women you know what i'm saying you know it yeah i like that I, <laughs> I you know those hard edges on those pixels are really sexy oh yeah mm, uh, i think it's been going like a good sprite of a woman what <laughs> how am i married I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Did you play Custer's Revenge? So, um, <laughs> do you think this game, if it were up for rental on, on is, at Blockbuster, would you rent this first, or would you just wait, go straight to buying it? Going back to Custer's is that an Atari porn game? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. I was like, Custer, I remember Custer's, this game. What is this? Yeah, Custer's Revenge is not one we're going to be playing on the show. Oh, that's too bad. I was, I'm, I'll have to go. T- hold on, let me take it. i got to take it out of the list. Hold on. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I got it. All right. I deleted it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, obviously, it would be a buy for me. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I think my purchase speaks for itself. I saw the preview for this game and knew immediately that I wanted to play it. It it was one of those things where I it just clicked in my head. There's like a certain type of platformer that I'm always wanting to play. Uh, ever since I was a kid, there's always like this perfect platforming physics that's in my head that I'm like man, I really want to play something that just feels like I'm flowing through it, right? Like like you feel when you're playing Super Mario World and you're, you know, you're hitting all the all the Koopas, uh, you know, in, in just perfect timing and just timing your jumps perfectly or in yeah. uh, Donkey Kong Country, right? Where you're just rolling through everything and everything's clicking. Yeah, and you go through the mine track level without dying once. Yeah, I'm always Heck looking yeah. for that feeling. I'm always chasing that high of playing a platformer that has that kind of flow. Um, and I saw the trailer for this, and I'm like, "This is what I want." It, it scratched the exact itch in my brain that I that I wanted, and oh, oh, it was a perfect purchase. It was one of the best purchases I made in terms of games last year, at all. Yeah. What were your expectations of the game uh, going um, into this? Well, like I said, well, going into it, all I was going off of is what you've told me. And mm-hmm. as with most, you know, gaming advice I've received from you, it's it has not disappointed. It is probably yeah. my it's in my top five, if not my top five. I mean, if not like top three, uh, like best like platformers I've ever played, especially retro like indie games. Probably one of my top top three, top five. It's, yeah, it's extremely good. It's extremely good. It's yeah. it's, it's switch essential. So I think what I said. It's mm-hmm. a switch a switch essential. Everyone should own it, especially if you're into platformers. If you're into old school games, either or both. I mean, it's a match made in heaven, man. 
Yeah, this was definitely something where, like I said, I knew I wanted it as soon as I saw it. Uh, the music really pumped me up, too, because I'm a sucker for good chip tunes. Um, it reminded me a lot of I, of Shovel Knight. I, when yeah, I saw I the trailer. I, yeah. yeah, I got that vibe, too. And that's a very good vibe to have. I remember when I got Shovel Knight, which, again, I don't. I probably don't need to say it at this point. We will play on the show at some point. Oh, yeah. Um, but Shovel Knight was one of those games that I just came home excited to play every day. Yeah. You know, and I was they, like, they made all this cool DLC and all that other stuff for it. And... Oh yeah. And I, you know what? I haven't played any of the DLC for Shovel Knight yet because my think... backlog of games has just been too big yeah. and I haven't had time to go back, but I, I kickstarted the game. So I have all the DLC. Like yeah. I already have all of it. Um, so it's just like waiting. Um, I actually bought it again for the Switch, so it's waiting on my Switch and my Wii U for me to go back and just discover all of the extra games that they made for uh, Shovel Knight, and I'm freaking so excited. Yeah, and it also kind of reminded me of, uh, what was it, Bloodlines? Is that the name of it? Oh, yeah, um, the Castlevania Curse of the Blood Moon? Yeah. Oh, it no, also kind of had that vibe. What is it sorry. called? Curse of the Moon. Blood, I thought it was rain. Curse the Blood Rain. Blood, curse, bloody, blood dime, blood times bloody, with whip guy. Bloody roar, curse of my butt. Curse of the blood. moon. I know it's Hot, Curse of the Moon. It, blood, Hot Carl on a Sunday night. Bloodstained. Bloodstained. Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. Yes. Yes. Yeah, uh, although I will say... Bloodstained Curse of the Moon is a great Castlevania game. I don't know that it's as original or well. I don't, it's not really that original. It's good. just like the the art yeah. kind of reminded me of it. So yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, it has a similar art style. Tone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it has that similar, um, very uh, expressive eight bit uh, uh, sprite style. You know, like if you compare it to something like Shovel Knight, Shovel Knight's a lot more cartoony. So I think there's a lot more expression going on there. Um, and the one, you know, you know, the, the pixel art in the messenger feels more, it feels more realistic. It feels more like it's trying to look like um, what realism would have looked like back in 1980, you know, six or something. It's kind of like, it's interesting that it could, it was shown it was interesting to me because it was showing that an eight bit game could carry that kind of, scary like uh more serious tone with it as well as the cartoony one and i, th- I think mm-hmm. it like did it better than it used to back then i just think it's kind of a step up from the other castlevanias as far as like atmosphere goes are you talking about kind of, curse of the moon yeah which is which is why i was kind of relating it to uh the messenger because it kind of does the same thing yeah it definitely takes the old feeling and elevates it to something that's uh transcends what the old ones did what were your first impressions of the game when you started it up? Well, the first impressions that I got was that it was very similar. It it gave me a very big arcade vibe, very big, like, classic NES vibe, like, start screen came across, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, you know, this reminds me of old school NES, man. This is where I hit the Konami code in. Mm-hmm. I'm ready, you know. Yeah. And I, and I could definitely tell that they took a huge influence from that. And then starting the game up, it like I think I was kind of with um, everyone else probably would have thought it. It was very Ninja Gaiden. It felt very Ninja Gaiden. When I started it up, I, I got sort of the same feeling. Um, the music <laughs> the music is actually really loud in this game. It's louder than 
most of the other games I have. So every time I start it up, it's like blasting out my speakers. So I have to, <laughs> I always have to lower it a lot because all my other games are a little bit lower. Um, but immediately, you know, like you said, it gives you that NES feel. And you also get those cool NES style cutscenes, right? Oh, yeah. I love that. I could I could look at that stuff all day. That's my favorite type of cutscene is, is something like that or something like in Sonic 2, or sorry, Sonic 3, um, where things happen on screen or you, you get some kind of cool picture, but it's not on there for super long. And it doesn't take up a whole lot of your time, but you still get sort of this feeling and, and yeah, idea you, of what the world looks like. It makes it feel a little bit more, uh, it like makes the world feel a little bit more alive. Yeah, it sets the tone for sure, um, of the whole game. And like you said, it makes the world feel more alive. It makes it feel like you're in it and you're seeing, you get a little uh, primer for your imagination. And I think a lot of old games had to do that because the graphics on their own don't necessarily give you a really accurate idea of what things look like. They can look great, you know, in an 8-bit style, but getting to see it from first person or close up in those sort of murals that they do... um, is really cool and and like I said, sparks your imagination for the rest of the game. It it just it just it, it makes it does a great job of making like everything flow really well, especially with like the combination of that and the dialogue and and everything. I was I was expecting that. It's one thing I wasn't expecting with the game was like the wit, you know, because like I I know that game looked good and I know the music was amazing, but I didn't know like the 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 characters were going to be that funny or interesting. I was like, oh, you know, Snape a game, whatever. Because yeah, I know, like, Shovel Knight kind of had that kind of, like, you know, they had interesting characters and all, but I didn't expect that was something that was Ninja Gaiden-esque. Yeah, they... The original Ninja Gaiden has a story, but, I mean, you don't really care. Yeah, I know, and it's it's just, like, there and gone. Because you're so frustrated with, like, or so relieved or frustrated that you've gotten through the previous level, you don't even pay attention to the story. <laughs> like, oh, my dad's dead. Whatever. I just want to finish <laughs> freaking level two. I gotta I go to school that, tomorrow. <laughs> I've booted up that game so many freaking times that I just skip over it now too. It's something yeah, I just I, I just roll past as fast as possible because yeah. it's so bland. Uh, even even for the time, like for the time, those those cutscenes were really cool. But the story itself, not all that interesting. Your dad's no. dead. Big deal. Got a, um, got a statue stolen. Go get him and not kill the bad guy. Yeah. And uh, this game is something where I was seeking out like dialogue options. I was seeking out more things to talk to because it's everything's funny. There's always an extra thing that's funny that's happening. Every time you turn around, there's like another funny thing for you to listen to or some character who has something funny to say. Not all the time. Not, not, not enough that it... Um, breaks the flow of the game yeah. at all. Or it's yeah. like, oh, they're trying too hard to be funny. Like, no, it's 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 good. It's smooth like butter. Yeah, yeah so I, I guess we haven't really given people a, an idea of what the game is about or, or I mean we know it's it's like Ninja Gaiden, but Well I mean um, the the intro kind of explains it. I mean Yeah. So the, for those who are still a little bit confused, the game you're essentially a ninja, you're in this ninja village you're in exile, you know, demon army's coming, stuff's uh-huh. about to come down, and you're just bored because the, the the your main character is just bored because, you know, the elder just keeps going on and on about history, and you're like, the game starts out, and you're like, sitting in a tree, and it's like, okay, well, I guess it's time to go to, to, um, let's go listen to the old man talk or whatever, 
and then you have to run there, which interestingly enough, it kind of teaches you how to play the game as it does it, which is interesting. I thought that was interesting. And then you yeah. go and you talk to them, and then the demons step. attack. You become the messenger, and off you go. You have to go and go to the top to, of this mountain and speak to the elders. And that's mm-hmm. that's your mission. Simple, cut, clean cut, boom, go. Yeah, and it, and it plays really well as an action platformer. Um, you oh, have yeah, and you have some you have some wrinkles that they add to make the gameplay more interesting, like the cloud step, where if you hit something with your sword while you're in the air, you get a bonus jump out of it. So you can chain those together pretty much infinitely if you have enough skill. Yeah, you can you can stay in the air as long as you want to. It's it's only determined based on your skill and timing. Yeah, that's that's some yeah. That's kind of like uh, what I really appreciate appreciated about the game because like it teaches you how to do things, but not all at once. Like it doesn't right. bombard you with like you can do this 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 and that. And, like you start out with like okay, this is how you do the cloud jump, and it's mm-hmm. not because like and I loved how they did this. I really appreciated it because you know a lot of games tend to have the double jump mechanic or they have like a bigger jump mechanic or whatever. Mm-hmm. It either just unlocks or you start out with it. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool. You know, you could double jump. That's useful to have. It's fun. But I like how they added that little extra something by like, you have to hit something first before you can get the double jump and you right. can time and when the double jump happens. And it, it's just, it makes it that much more like engaging and that much more awesome feeling when you actually like get good at it. It makes you feel like a ninja. Yeah, you feel completely in control of this character who has all these cool abilities that build up over the course of the game, and the double jump itself, like you said, adding that sword is the defining moment. Adding yeah. that, adding that hit to get your double jump makes everything flow completely differently. If you can double jump, you're just going to be doing it all the time, yeah. right? If you can do, if you can do it at any time, you're going to do it at any time. But by adding the sword, it makes it part of the flow of combat. Which yeah. is a huge, huge difference. It makes it this huge new, like, wrinkle in the gameplay that makes everything flow together so well. Yeah, it's incredible. I always thought it was really cool. Like they introduced like the first thing you get because, like, at first it looks like your generic like um, like Ninja Gaiden thing with a new flesh like new coat of paint on it. But as soon mm-hmm. as you get to that jump, you're like, wait, this is different. This isn't the same. You know, right? This is like. This actually requires my, you know, con- take some concentration, some skill, you know. It's an innovation, mm-hmm. I think, that uh, that really, I think that really brings it out of its own. Just starting with that. I mean, that's just the beginning. And at the beginning of the game, you're just immediately like that. Now I'm going around in circles. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it also teaches you in the, that first level um, that, hey, this isn't going to be like Ninja Gaiden's wall climbing, Right. Ninja Gaiden's wall climbing was great at the time, but it's a little clunky now. Going back and I, I went back and played Ninja Gaiden uh, to sort of get a feeling for what they were, you know, what they were working with when they were creating this game. Um, the jumping is super clunky, and you can't like if you get right on the edge on the on a wall, you can't like climb up, which makes no sense. You're already attached to the wall. Why can't you climb up to the edge? It m- makes no sense. But in that first one, in the in the um, in the uh, Autumn Hills uh, level, uh, they give you this huge wall to scale, and you realize you can just jump off and keep climbing up, and it's super fast and super satisfying. And goes, hey, you know how Ninja Gaiden's jumping was kind of clunky, and you couldn't scale walls that way? Uh, yeah, you can do it now. 
Yeah, I mean, though it wasn't it wasn't just like that. There was a little bit of uh, like an intermission bef- between falling into the pit and you're like, oh, sh- you know, I'm stuck, and then mm-hmm. you get an ability to cl- climb up the walls. But yeah, it's kind of the right. I mean to say that at the end of that level, they give you a huge wall to scale to test your new ability, yeah. and you and you you're like, oh, climbing walls is fun now. This thing that wasn't fun about Ninja Gaiden is now fun and exciting, and it feels like you have more power. Yeah, and it introduces it in a way where you know you have you have this level that's going to be kind of based on it, and they'll get better at it, and then mm-hmm. they, they give you a new set of skills to go through, and it's it's really just des- all the levels are really well designed too. Mm-hmm. And then once you it, get really good at it, you get to go all these extra puzzles and stuff, and you feel like a badass when you like get good at it. Yeah, exactly, and and it builds on those skills incrementally. So when you get to those big puzzles, you feel ready. Um, because the game has these uh, uh, has the big twist, right? Spoilers. Go ahead and skip ahead if if you don't want to know this. But spoiler twist, alert. I mean, they can, right. they kind of show you in the in the in the trailer, but uh, in the middle of the game, once you defeat the um, uh, the temple of the elders, uh, you learn that you are part of a long line of messengers, and you gain the ability to time travel. Uh, so you travel to the future into a 16-bit version of the same game. So all the music changes, all the graphics change, um, and there's portals in levels where you can change, you know, time periods that sort of change the layout of the level and give you, you know, new methods for traversal. And the game becomes a Metroidvania, which I was worried was going to make the game slow way down and feel less uh, thought out, but that didn't happen at all. Like... I, I thought this it would it would make the game feel uh, less tailored to the experience that I was having, right? Like uh, an action platformer is linear. So the developer knows exactly the path you're gonna take and they can put obstacles in your way that complement that path that you're gonna take. A Metroidvania, however, you're gonna be backtracking a lot and doing a lot of things over and over again. So it made me think, ah, oh, I don't know, maybe this will slow down. I don't know how they, I don't know how they're going to design this game around a Metroidvania and an action platformer that's linear. And no, they did, somehow they, they did it. Yeah, they did it extremely well. Like they added mm-hmm. the like the, the little extra bonus rooms for like the green token things and Yeah, you uh, get these green crystals that um, unlock an ability at the end of the game, um, which we won't ruin that. Uh, I don't know but, what it is, so don't ruin it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to I'm not going to ruin it, um, but you get these you get these green seals uh, that you have to crush and they're all locked behind a puzzle room of sorts where you have to sort of solve a traversal issue, right? You, they give you, um, there's a bunch of spikes or swinging pendulums or, you know, rocks falling, or there's uh, a bunch of ghosts that you have to chain hits on to get to the other side and no platforms underneath you. And some of them are brutally difficult. They're fiendish sometimes. Um, and you solve these Man, little po- platforming feel- puzzles, essentially. Yeah. You feel awesome though when you when you beat it though. Like it's not. It can be yes. frustrating, but like it. But like when you get through it, you're just like, man, oh sweet, you know, you're pumped yeah. by the end of it, and because the Definitely. movement's really natural, and like mm-hmm. you know, when you get good at it, just it's just everything feels amazing. It's incredible. It feels like you're flowing, and you know, it can be very very difficult. It can be. Uh, really hard uh, sometimes and frustrating, but it's it's one of those frustrating that's like th- I'm being held back by my 
lack of skill or that I'm because I'm not at the skill level I need to be for this yet. It's not I don't I never felt like I was being held back by the game being cheap. Yeah. Right. Um, so all of the challenges felt like they were warranted. Uh, and the game has this awesome system for making you want to start again. So a lot of indie games to me recently have been really getting this right. Um, Celeste, for example, um, the messenger. Now, uh, when you die, uh, there is number one, there's no lives. You just yeah. lose money, right? Well, you don't really um, which, lose money. You can lose well, money. When you die in Shovel Knight, you lose money, and when you die in The Messenger, uh, a little demon shows up to eat your money as you collect it for a certain amount of time, uh, and that's his fee, essentially. Which you can you can also wait him out if you want to. You've got nothing else better to do. Really? Yeah. You can just, you can just, you just stand there and wait for him? You can just stand there and wait for him. He'll get bored and leave. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, so you don't have to lose money if you have the time to wait around. But I never did, so I just it's, I just moved on. Again, it's a very it's a very interesting innovation. That's that's mm-hmm. cool to see, even in these old yeah. style games, making them new again. Right, it's just it was awesome. But a it. lot even of I, can, I go ahead. Little, little well, I guess we'll get into that once we start talking about the characters about mm-hmm. uh old Quarble 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 His name's very his name's very hard to pronounce. Is the point. Yeah. But that is that is I think part of a lineage of indie games that is is endeavoring to get uh the death cycle correct to make it not feel so punishing that you want to stop which like something like Ninja Gaiden is extremely punishing when you lose. Um you have to start way 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 back if you got really far and lost all your lives. Yeah. A game like this there's no lives and the the restart time is like that it's not as quick as something like celeste where you're immediately back at the beginning of that puzzle or that level uh and you just you know just start again um but it's quick enough that it's like okay this game's not wasting my time it's getting me back into the action as quickly as possible which i think uh, that's how games should be in my opinion when you die in a game that is exactly how i think every game should do it is to to get you back in the action as quickly as possible yeah uh because it, it makes you feel in control and it doesn't, and it, it doesn't take away your time needlessly, which is something that I value now as an adult who has a job and does a podcast where I talk yeah. about games. It's a game where it lets you keep playing. Yeah, exactly. It's a exactly. game where it doesn't interrupt where playing the game. It's it's such a simple thing, but it's like mm-hmm. so big when you do it right, you know. Exactly. Something you and don't it's notice. Something... Mm-hmm. So you do notice, but like you really take for granted until you actually get that game that's just like, no, keep going. It's fine. Keep going. Don't yeah. worry about it. Celeste, I think Celeste was the first game where it really clicked for me, right? Because it was so quick, I was like, Oh wow, I don't ever want to wait. <laughs> I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna wait for the game to restart again ever again. And now a lot of older games uh seem really slow to me. Because you know it, it's hard to get back into the action because it wastes so much of your time. Yeah, I mean, especially when you play like an RPG and you're just like you die after not saving for like half an hour. Yeah, like, oh. exactly. <laughs> it's a different mindset. It's so miserable. I guess. Yeah. Now, I mean, I can get into those games, but it definitely when I go back to the type of game that has a slow reset for death. Um, any game from the PS3 era, for example, where it has to reload everything and it just takes a friggin' decade to get back to the game where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be on my phone for the next two minutes while this loads. Uh, that kind of stuff, PS2, PS3, 
GameCube, it really, really shows its age now. Because now hardly has any loading, not that I've noticed anyway. I mean to say that like Depends some games game, will will put you into a loading screen when you die, at, or put you like for example in like a Mario game where sometimes it'll take you back out to the uh, to the hub world, right? Yeah, and then and then you have to walk all the way back to the level that you were playing if you died. Uh, sometimes if you like if you uh, if you like lose all your lives, that's a huge pain in the butt. In Mario sixty four, obviously not a huge issue because who is losing all their lives in Mario sixty four? It's true, but. <laughs> But me. If you, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do, I, I guess that's just on my mind because I've been playing it recently. Um, but it's still kind of a pain in the butt, even when you just die, because it kicks you out of the uh, out of the painting. And then you have to wait a couple seconds for him to like get back up on his feet. Same then you go back in. Uh, jump then back in. <laughs> yeah, then you jump back in, and then you it loads up a screen where you have to choose a star, bah, and bah, then you bah, choose bah, the star. Bah, bah. And it, again, it's not a huge pain. That's a good there, but there are games that are way longer than that, and now I notice it more because of games like Celeste, because of games like The Messenger, where you don't have to wait anymore, and it's just like, it's this huge weight lifted off your shoulders. Yeah, I mean, I, that never was really that big a deal to me, but I get what you're mm-hmm. saying. I get what you're saying. It's nice to be yeah. able to, like, not be interrupted. I don't think I it was you. a huge deal to me before, but I just notice it more now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess when you're super busy all the time. Like with yeah. life and adulting, yeah. it's nice. Yeah, it's definitely more noticeable. That's for sure. But now, now I will say, with this show, I'm taking a lot more time just to sit back and play games without any other distractions. And I gotta say, I don't notice this. <laughs> it, it went back the other way because it's like now I'm setting aside a time for myself to enjoy games. So I guess it Even just depends I'm... on the mindset. Then I guess if you're like, I'm in a hurry, I just want to play a game. Mm-hmm. And then there's the times you're just like, man, I'm just gonna play a game. I'm just going to sit back and play. It's a little bit slower pace. (laughs) Yeah. But there are definitely some PS2 games where it's like, when is this loading time going to be over? Oh, yeah. There's a few of those. Just just put me back where I was. Or or like uh, like some of the stuff in... um, Yeah. Or or like Grand Theft Auto, where you have to drive a a decade to to get to your mission. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto was really bad about that. Yeah, it's like, okay, I get the games about driving, and you run into a lot of fun things on the way there, but why is it that I get to the mission uh, marker, I pick up the mission, and then it makes me drive a billion miles somewhere else, too? Or, like, or you get just to the mission make... objective, and then you yeah. die, and you appear at a hospital across town, and then I have to get a car and go back to the mission starting zone, and then redo yeah. everything. Yeah. And okay, again, you can you could make a case for that being Rockstar. more realistic, and you... Rockstar. You know, you, you spend time doing it that way. But I think the peak of that for me was because I could deal with it in Grand Theft Auto because I liked the driving the cars was actually fun. Yeah. Causing mayhem in town was actually fun. So having to drive to the missions wasn't as huge of, a, of an inconvenience. But Red Dead Redemption was where I was like, I'm done with this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever? I remember I played God. the first one on Xbox 360, and mm-hmm. I took the carriage ride from Miss um, McFarlane's place into town. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you? You had the option to sit there and just yeah. sit in it and wait. Have you ever done that? <laughs> I did. I had never played Red Dead Redemption one, but I played the second one. Yeah, um, oh, and. Okay. I did, I did a similar thing with the train ride. I was using it at first. I was like, oh, this is kind of a fun little, like, Western life simulator. Uh, it's so supposed to I be took, immersive, I, it's the whole thing. Yeah. So I took the train, and I sat on it for a while and, and 
took it out to the woods and then stole a dude's horse and then rode back to town. Uh, but I was on there for a while, and it was kind of fun. It was kind of interesting to see it from that perspective. But that that novelty lasted like two minutes. And after my fourth time booting it up, I was like, this isn't fun anymore. Give right. me a, I need I need a fast travel system see, because at least anytime in, I anytime I sit down to this game I need two hours to get Red anything Dead, done. Yeah, no, yeah, at least Red Dead Redemption you could actually uh you could just fast travel in in the carriages or you had the option to sit right. through it. Right. Which was kind of nice. Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, sure there's fast travel, but if you want to take a carriage you have to ride somewhere for like 5 minutes to get to it or if you want to fast travel somewhere, you can you can eventually do that. You get an ability to fast travel from the camp, but you can't fast travel back to the camp. So you uh. have to fast travel to a town, wait through a loading screen, then get your horse, then ride another five minutes back to your camp, which it's so miserable. I can it's see that. It's not fun. Yeah. It, it sucks. I sold it. I, I hate that game. Uh, like, controversial opinion, I think that game sucks. And... <laughs> Oh it's, yeah! Did you and your brother one, not play it? We didn't get to play it online because it ended up being so crappy, and they're still in beta. Like, I don't want to go online and play that game because they don't have um. Maybe they've added this by now, but they at the time they didn't have a mode where you where you could skip PvP. Oh yeah. Playing online meant you were open to being killed by anybody at any time. And I don't want that kind of stress in my life. <laughs> the reason I liked Grand Theft Auto Online is because I could go around Cause Mayhem with my brother and you and and not have to worry about anything else. It was just goofy fun. And you could yeah. do bank heists if you wanted to. And yeah. if you wanted, you could do PvP. You could if you wanted to, but you don't have to. You can turn that off. There, there's always there's always Fallout 76. I oh boy, <laughs> we have a difference of opinion on that game, man. <laughs> I, we really don't. We really don't. I think it's okay. I mean, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good. I think they kind of dropped the ball, but it, it plays as well as like in terms of gameplay, it plays as well as like Fallout Three. Yeah, it, it yeah. works about as well as Fallout Three in terms of glitches and stuff. But seems like they there's... they probably started making it during Fallout 3 yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. too much. There's too. There's too much to talk about there. We should probably get back to talking about. That's the messenger. true. What we're talking about the messenger. Oh yeah. We could yeah. Do... <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway. Before we start talking about the music of the game and what we thought, uh, we have an interview here with Eric Brown, uh, or Rainbow Dragon Eyes, Mister Eyes to the listeners. Yeah, Mister uh, Eyes. And he was kind enough to sit down with me and uh, talk about his process in uh, creating the music for the game, uh, which is an incredible soundtrack. You should pick it up. It's something you should actually listen to outside of playing the game. Is there a place um, you can purchase it outside the game? Oh, yeah. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on uh, Google Play. We'll put links in the show notes to places you can buy the music and uh, check out his stuff. You can also pick it up on Bandcamp on his Bandcamp page. But, yeah. Um, again, we'll post really links into, to that all up on our show notes. Yeah. If you're really into retro style music and chiptunes and stuff like that, it's a yep. necessity. It is one of the best chiptune albums of the modern era. Oh, it's, yeah. I think it stands up there with uh, the original like chiptune music that you'd hear uh, on the NES. So uh, here's our interview with Eric Brown or Rainbow Dragon Eyes. Mr. Eyes, thank you for being on uh, the Retro Reset podcast today. Thank you for having me, Mr. Alan Jenkins. You've been a drummer for, you said, about 30 years? 
I would call it 20, 25 years, maybe. 20, yeah. 25 years? Yeah. So that explains, I think, I mean, it explains why the um, the drum tracks in The Messenger are so amazing. I mean. Nice. Your yeah, experience like, definitely comes through in that. I like to, yeah, I like to program grooves and especially when it comes to chiptune, I, I love the limitations that are forced upon you if you're trying to make something that fits inside that format like when it when it comes to making chiptune i take it very seriously and uh i kind of only try to make something that could actually be played back on actual hardware um that comes from actually using the game boy program where you're literally only capable of doing that and it's four channels and one of them is white noise so you just kind of have to like figure out how to make that work and sound good but right. um yeah very groove oriented i think but i also take pride in my melodies and my harmonies and stuff like that. What would you say, uh, speaking to the process of, of composing video game music, you talked a little bit about the limitations. Hmm. What goes into making a chip tune, tune album that's di- or a video game soundtrack that's really different from traditional forms of music? Um, specifically when it comes to video games, I mean, I guess it all depends on what the game is and what they're doing, what they're trying to go for. You know, I see a lot of like pixel art games that have like kind of chiptune music. You know, maybe there's like a square wave lead or something like that. But um, like the programs that I use to make chiptune are actually built around the limitations of the consoles that they're trying to emulate. And um, Family Tracker is a program, free program. You can download it online. Runs on Windows. Um, that was what I used for the 8-bit side, and it actually lets you export NSF file types, which is uh, <clears throat> excuse me, which can be played back on Nintendo. So as long as you have like the right hardware, there's they make cartridges where you can flash stuff on there. So, um, yeah, does that answer the question? I guess. Oh yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. Um, how did you sort of approach something like the messenger where you're working in two different eras of chiptune music? Yeah, well, it was a little bit of a pain in the ass just cause I had to program every song twice. Um, but I didn't really care. I mean, I had to rise to the challenge cause that's, that's what was required of me. You know, I, uh, Terry picked me because he was a fan of my, of my stuff. And, um, like uh, everyone on the sabotage team is all they're all retro gamers and so they all the artists and everything there we really tried to stay within reasonably within the parameters of what um of what the old consoles were capable of like we maybe added an an additional two or three colors to the palette just to kind of give it more depth um but generally speaking um yeah, like we were, we're all aware that it, we wanted it to not just look like a sort of like throwback, nostalgic kind of a cash in. You know, we wanted it to actually feel authentic, and uh, and a big part of that is the soundtrack. So all of the sound effects in the game were all created with the same programs. So th- this is all stuff uh, with a couple exceptions, like some of the bigger moments. I kind of added like reverbs and delays. Um, other than that, pretty much everything was just straight off of the hardware. Something I really felt in this, uh, particular album was that it had this very comfy, familiar sound without feeling derivative. I never could really pick out a specific influence. It it made me feel like I was playing something like 
Gunstar Heroes or Turtles in Time. Dude, Gunstar like Heroes sing- is probably my favorite game of all time. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good game. Um, but it, it feels really in sync with the action and not in a way that's uh, referential to other games. Were nice. there any big inspirations or influences for you, uh, chiptune or otherwise, for The Messenger? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is... I always have trouble answering this question for some reason. Um, I wasn't referencing anything specifically. I just knew... You know, it, it had to. I just knew that I wanted it to sound like a video game, and um, essentially, when we started, you know, like I was saying, I got the gig because they were a fan of my music to begin with. So, pretty much, like I would get creative briefs for each level and sort of some concept art, and like here's kind of the tone, and you give me some backstory, like why the messenger was there. Um, mm-hmm. So to kind of kind of get the feeling of each level and and how it made sense in the story. Um, But then pretty much other than that, I had 100% creative control. So I just tried to make, I just tried to make cool stuff, you know? Like I think uh, that really comes through. It's an album that you can listen to uh, just as, as music. Sweet. Yeah. Well, cause that's where I come from as like an artist, you know, having never done a video game, but it's, you know, if they wanted, they could have gotten a, any renowned video game composer, you know, and I'm sure that it would have worked out great. But this was like, uh, you know, this was like a passion project. Um, it was the studio's first project. They've all been working in games forever, and they all know each other through other companies and stuff like that. But this was literally just like, let's see how cool we can make this thing. And just everyone really brought a lot to the table and, you know, like, uh, yeah, like I was saying with, with the limitations and the guidelines, we sort of stay within our parameters, but then within those parameters, we're free to do pretty much anything. And it all just like really, really worked. Uh, you know, the team is amazing and everyone's just super cool and chill. So it It came out with an incredible game. Yeah, man. Thank you. Okay, so if uh, any listener would like to check out uh, the music of Mr. Eyes, please uh, head over to rainbowdragoneyes.bandcamp.com. It's got a lot of great stuff there, the Messenger soundtrack, obviously, but um, I notice you also have um, a lot of stuff that is uh, is like metal, right? It's like sure. Chip metal. So, yeah, kind of when I started doing my own thing, um, the original intent from the very beginning was to have vocals, and being a metal guy... Uh, I just by accident started doing metal vocals over chiptune. Um, and I was really into like upbeat, like Eurobeat was a huge influence in my like music production, uh, journey. I kind of discovered that and producing around the same time. So I just tried to go with that, but I just really, really, uh, vibed with the super fast dance, you know, four on the floor, kick drum, um, but then, like, yeah, for as far as doing a performance, I mean, I'm not a DJ. I don't really know how to how to do that. Uh, so whenever I play live, I wanted something to do. So I started doing vocals over my songs. And then when I started playing out, I would just kind of have backing tracks. And then I would trigger, like, some solos off of the Game Boy um, and uh, just doing vocals over top of that. So that's what I was doing. I toured around the world doing that. Um for some reason um but that's awesome yeah but i put out a few albums and i've done a couple of covers and um 
I have this habit of covering every band that I've uh, been a part of. So, which is, uh, I, th- I think I've almost covered almost every band that I've at least toured with. So, and uh, I'm working on the next one right now. All right. Well, uh, keep an eye out for that, everybody. Um, and also, uh, they can follow you on Twitter at, um, is it just at Rainbow Dragon Eyes? It's R-N-B-W Dragon Eyes. Okay, gotcha. I keep yeah. I keep um, trying, every time I tried to search your name, I, I would come up with like a bunch of random people who aren't you. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, so, that R-N-B-W Dragon Eyes, correct? Yeah. I don't okay. have that blue check mark or anything because I'm not famous, but uh, that's me. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, thank you again for being here. Uh, I really appreciate it. And... Um, Keep on making great music. I'm I'm going to be here for all of it. Thank you, man. I'm going to do my best. I appreciate it. So one of the things I thought was really interesting from that interview, and if you want to listen to the entire interview, that was just an excerpt, uh, go ahead and check out uh, the uh, side quest episode that will be coming out next week. We'll be releasing that full unedited, unedited interview uh, for your listening pleasure. Uh, but one of the things I thought was really cool about his process was that he tried to stick to using the original hardware as much as possible. So for the NES uh, music, he used Famitracker, right? That is music that, for the most part, could exist on an, on an NES cartridge. Yeah. He's and the same thing the tools with the... they had. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and same thing with the Sega music, right? Um, the, Sega, the Sega tracks, when you go to the future, which a lot of people say, oh, it's 16-bit, it's like SNES... Uh, and like we said in the interview, no, this was a Sega-inspired soundtrack. Uh, he used a tracker that uses instruments that would have been possible on a Sega Genesis. So those limitations, I didn't know that. It, it sounds so incredible. Yeah, that um, works really well. Together. Yeah, like that. It was funny because that's something I wasn't expecting either. Because like it mm-hmm. went from NES sounding to Genesis sounding, which was just like a weird jump and i was like i didn't expect that but man it was it was nice when i heard it i, I think i'd say it was like if nintendo and sega had a baby like this would that would be the music mm-hmm. they made it was it was yeah it was phenomenal i wasn't expecting it to work but it did it worked so well yeah and not to mention nobody does sega genesis inspired it's, it's uh chiptune soundtracks for games this is one of the first I've heard in a while. I think its quality stands up to the quality of the games from the 90s, like Gunstar Heroes, Turtles in Time, things like that. It's an incredible soundtrack. Yeah, it feels it feels like the music was made for the game and nothing else. And Exactly. And it works like super well. It's kind of like, um, you know, Undertale's music. It's very, you know, when you hear that music, it's like, oh, that's Undertale, like without a doubt. You don't have to think about it. Bonus it's round. got its own, it has its own very specific tone. You know, yeah, it, and it, 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 it feels totally in sync with the gameplay. You feel everything feels like it's just pushing you forward to to finish. And none you know? of it's very grating either. It's all easy to listen to. You just want to listen yeah. to it more. In fact, most times you're just like, ah, it's done. I finished the level, but I kind of want to hear that music again. And yeah, definitely. Every time I heard a track, I was like, "Oh man, that was so good." I gotta, I have to, I have to get the soundtrack. And I listen to it even today. Like I'm. When I drive around, sometimes I'll just put on the soundtrack from the messenger. I will probably I get it on a, iTunes now that I know it's there. I might, I probably will pick it up. Uh, actually, I would suggest getting it on Bandcamp because that uh, supports the artist more, and you can get it DRM-free uh, in MP3 and uh, lossless formats. So, 
everybody head to Bandcamp to get your uh, copy of the messenger but, part one and part two but itunes please still put our podcast up <laughs> yeah also put our podcast on itunes please you know we want people to buy their stuff otherwise that's fine that's fine <laughs> I don't, what would you fine. say? What would you say your favorite track from the game was? Oh gosh, uh, I really liked Autumn Hills. I liked the uh-huh. first one, and I really, I think, I liked the Temple of the Tower Time of Tower of Time was pretty fun. That one reminded me a lot of. Um, oh, and I th- okay, yeah, my favorite one is probably the sky, the sky level. Oh, Elemental Skylands. Yeah. Yeah, that that level has such good music. It reminds me a lot of Comic Zone in certain parts because yeah. it has like that crunchy bass, right? Yeah. Uh, but ag- again, like even though it reminds me of Comic Zones in some parts, it also reminds me of like Ninja Turtles in some parts. Like the staff roll at the end of the game, you haven't heard it yet, but it's amazing, and it totally sounds like something that would live in a, a Ninja Turtles beat 'em up. It's yeah. awesome. It's I listen to that one all the time. I used it in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign for you know when the you know the game was ending um i just love it it's so good i'm <laughs> i'm the most gigantic nerd in the universe but i love that stuff yeah and i also really liked uh, the music in uh turquoise river oh yeah 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 i was yeah again going back to kind of how that how the metroidvania thing worked like again mm-hmm. that kind of in addition to the extra bonus rooms the extra pathways kind of surprised me too i think they're so yeah. it was so planned out. It was planned out, but it was planned out well. I mean, it was it was, mm-hmm. it was well designed. So hats off. They thought of the they thought of stars. everything that was going to happen in your experience and and, and designed it around that. They it, it, they did such a good job. Yeah. And you know, a lot of it too. Mister I spoke about this a little bit in the interview, but the creators of the game took pains to make a game that would if not work on the NES, would be at home on the NES with some of the same constraints. Oh, you think right? they'd ever make, like, an NES, like, release? Uh, I don't think that this game could run on the NES because it, I think it's, number one, it's too big. But they did a, they did try to limit their um, their creation a little bit in terms of, like, choosing colors and, and, you know, what they put on the screen. They tried to make it something that, would feel at home on the NES, yeah. right? And that has some of the same constraints, which I don't know exactly which ones, um, but they uh, they really tried to because they're all retro gamers, yeah. right? They're all they're all people like us who love retro gaming and and find great joy in going back to those old titles and seeing what gaming used to be and and what really set the standard. Um, so some of those some of those restrictions, I think, you know can be really good for, you know, creating good gameplay as long as you bring some modern sensibilities into it, which they definitely did. Oh, yeah. They they uh, really revolutionized it. Yeah. That's for sure. It's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's creating something that is better than the reference that it's making. Yeah. It's more than the sum of its parts. Um, so, you know, I think the story is one of the greatest things about this game. And that really surprised me. Yeah, I know. I wasn't expecting, again, since it was very Ninja Gaiden-esque, I was like, I wasn't expecting any interesting dialogue. I wasn't expecting, like, a very in-depth story or anything like that. But I was pleasantly surprised when I found out there was a lot more than meets the eye. And you find out fairly quickly that there is. And I thought that, um, that that was... 
just it was a pleasant surprise. It was great to see that you know it wasn't going to be a run of the mill, run to the right and kill everything kind of game. It was it was I don't know. yeah. Although there's plenty of that in there. Oh yeah, you but, have you have this shopkeeper that you run into early in the game, um, which again we're not going to ruin everything for you. Uh, it's part of the show is discovering those worlds of gaming on your own, and I would highly suggest picking this one up and discovering it for yourself. Uh, but the uh, shopkeeper you meet. Uh, is the first you know moment where you're like oh this game's going to be more than i think it is yeah you know at first at first it seems pretty standard the story's kind of cool but you don't have a whole lot of humor starting off there's a little bit uh, but when you finally meet the shopkeeper it's hilarious and you can just talk to him endlessly there's so many things he says and i would i would just go back to the shop every single time and be like okay i'm in a i'm in a new portal does he say anything different? Is there anything else I can get him to say? Yeah, he'll tell you little stories later on, and mm-hmm. and uh, he has a cabinet he didn't like you looking at. And... Yeah, which you eventually do get into. So it's true. Did you ever uh, continually try to get in the cabinet? Yeah, <laughs> like, and then he tells you a story you can't skip. Yeah, he tells you a long unskippable story. Yeah, I thought, that and was it's funny. worth it. Yeah, it's it is. worth it because it's so hilarious. It's yeah, very, it's something uh, I. I didn't want to skip. <laughs> very philosophical, that story. Yeah, and it's also very meta. The, all, the whole game is very meta. It knows it's a video game, and sometimes that can get kind of tiresome. Sometimes that can get kind of, like, uh, annoying, but I felt like that never happened in this game. Yeah. You know, all of the all of the characters had so much personality, and e- even the, you know, the other three elders in their little robes... Each of them has a distinct personality. Yeah, right? each, yeah. Everyone feels different. There's like a short one, a tall one, and a uh, and a medium sized one. And it doesn't end at the elders either. You know, there's also all the bosses. Each have their own personalities and stuff like that. Yeah, the bosses are really cool. I, who's yeah. your Who's your favorite boss? Okay, so my favorite boss uh, is mm-hmm. probably it's kind of a toss up between. Uh, well, it depends how you look at it as far as, like, your mm-hmm. favorite most memorable boss versus, like, the most uh, difficult but most, uh, so, like, satisfying boss. Mm-hmm. So my favorite boss, I think, is probably the golem guy, the green golem guy, you know what I'm talking about? That one was such a fun fight. It was. I really oh liked gosh. the way it ended, and I also still kind of feel bad. I feel awful about that one. It was so sad. I'm, I'm not going to so spoil that, anything, but, I mean. Let's not spoil it, but, like, that... It, the boss is not what he seems, but it's one of them. You you basically use your ninja gliding abilities that you've just learned for this particular level. So the level builds you up, teaches you how to use the gliding ability. And when you finally get to the boss, it's like this test in like, how can you use the gliding ability in, in fun, interesting ways? And it, it's, it keeps you guessing the whole time. It's not too hard, not too easy. And it just ends up being this really fun experience. It's one of my favorite moments. Yeah. So then- good. Uh, I then the other one that I that I found probably the most satisfying was mm-hmm. the demon fight. Uh, I really I really liked that one. It was it was action packed. Mm-hmm. It always kept you moving, and you felt right. awesome when you eventually won. And it was funny. Is what's really neat about all the boss fights is that front on the surface it looks like your traditional run around and hit things and then run away when you're about to be hit kind of thing, as it teaches yeah. you in the first boss fight. But you'll actually find out that each of the boss fights kind of have their own sort of special gimmick that you get to learn. It doesn't tell you, but you can learn it 
as you play, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, and you, you try yeah. different things and you don't get punished for it. You get rewarded that you find, oh, so if I do this, I can do this. Like, this is something that isn't normal. Like mm-hmm. with, with that, with the boss at the wizard thing, you can actually jump on his hands, the big giant wizard guy. Uh-huh. You, you could just stay on his hands the entire fight. I just thought that was interesting. Oh, man. And the demon one, did you, did you figure out the gimmick with the demon one? It's been a minute. I, I, this is one of the games I played when I was thinking of the idea for this show. And I was like, when I, I hadn't really formed the idea for the show, but I, I knew I wanted to start playing games this way. I had already started my Zelda playthrough without a guide. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to beat this game without a guide too. Um, so this was like when I first started to, um, do live the retro reset lifestyle, so to speak. Um, so I don't remember exactly what the gimmick was yeah. for the demon boss. Well, I, it, it, I kept dying over and over again on him and it turns out there's, I don't know if I should spoil how you had to do it or, you know, as you guys can get your first hints, first hints on the podcast, but I'll mm-hmm. go ahead and tell you. So like whenever the, whenever he's coming at you, cause the, the boss will jump around all over the screen. Whenever he's coming at mm-hmm. you, if you rope dart him right before he hits you, you'll just go past him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I thought that I don't was, think I knew that. It makes the boss so much easier. Like, there's so many. I think I just beat that. I think I just beat that one hardcore. That is. I don't remember doing that at all. That boss was ridiculous, and I suck at the whole. Because like halfway through the game, it introduces all these extra mechanics that go along with your jumping, and with Mm -hmm. uh, you know leaping from side to side. There's you know at first it's just the wall climbing, and I mean first Mm -hmm. it's the cloud jump, then the wall climbing, then there's the squirrel suit which allows you to float, and then there's the rope dart which requires you to grapple so you can. You can combine them all, and when you get good at all, yeah. you know, when you get good at one, you feel awesome, but when you get good at all three of them, you feel like a ninja. I mean, bottom <laughs> line. But, yeah, no, the all the bosses were super awesome, and what's more impressive is that all the bosses, for the most part, are super memorable. I think the only one I don't really remember very much is the uh, first boss and then the, the mm-hmm. girl with the whip. I don't remember those. I don't think they were quite as memorable, but all the other ones were super well thought out and super memorable. Yeah, definitely. And I, this was um, the the only problem I had with the game. The only, only complaint that I could possibly have with this game was the controls and not all of the controls, specifically jumping and using the, uh, the rope dart um, together. Some of the buttons are so close together that I would screw it up because I didn't have the ability to because there's no at first there was no ability to remap your controls, but that's part of the game now. Yeah, like I didn't have that problem. I, I didn't have any problem with that at all. But then again, I yeah. have smaller hands. <laughs> so I have such big sausage fingers that sometimes I would like hit the wrong button um, and just like freak out and just like hit all the buttons when I'm <laughs> like I'm in the middle of the oh, air trying yeah, to like that, execute yeah. some certain move. Um, but basically I thought, oh, you know, it would be easier is if I could remap the rope dart to the right trigger uh, so that it's easier oh, for yeah, me not to nice, hit it yeah. by accident. Uh, and now you can, you can remap the buttons. So the only complaint I had has been fixed since I played the game. Yeah. I only, the only one I, I only had one complaint too, and it was pretty minor. It was just, mm-hmm. um, it was when I, because sometimes you have to make kind of precision jumps from one platform to another, and you can't really mm-hmm. float because there's not enough room or whatever. And I occasionally, right. it, it wouldn't happen very often, but there'd be the occasion when I'd stick to the wall when I didn't want to, and that was mm-hmm. kind of annoying. But I think that was more of operator error than the game design, but still, 
Like, I'd have yeah. to really concentrate on not bumping it to the left slightly. It didn't help that I was yeah. also using a really jank controller either, but it didn't really affect it very much. Yeah. Like, I still have the well, floating I still have the floating Joy-Con problem. I can't fix it. I've tried to fix it. And uh, <sighs> it only really affected the... Uh, mm-hmm. It only really affected the map. So. Yeah, you know, um, this is definitely a game that you want to play either on, like, an 8-bit dough... Um, controller uh, like an 8-bit dough like snes type controller or on a pro controller it's one of the two um but yeah i really don't have any complaints with this game it's it's hard to find anything else to talk about just because it's like oh it was good it was really really good i mean we could we could continue to gush on it i guess but and the only other like maybe fake complaint i could think that i was i found Mm -hmm. myself getting frustrated at the giant wizard boss thing the top of the Mm -hmm. tower because um, before I figured out the hand trick, uh, the, uh-huh. the, the boss was just a lot of waiting, yeah. waiting to where you could finally hit him again and running through the whole sequence and then hitting him again and running through the whole sequence. And I know it kind of changes it up, but if you get hit by like, he'll do this move where he moves beams across the, uh, the thing where you have to jump over the balls. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Well, if you get yeah. hit by one of the balls, you can get knocked out of the beam and then you're going to get hit mm-hmm. by it again when it goes back towards you and there's nothing you could do about it. And then when you die, you have to go back and restart the fight, and it takes like ten minutes to get through, and you mm-hmm. die again. And it's another ten minutes. Like that's the only thing I really got irritated with. Like, mm-hmm. it's like time wise, it's like this boss is just a little takes a little too long. But eventually, I was right. able to cheese him. So there you go it just took some learning maybe maybe that was my maybe that was what was trying to tell me like you just need to think outside the box and try to defeat him the actual way instead of what it wants you to think you're supposed to beat it because this is what that game does it makes you think outside the box and maybe that was it but it was it was quite annoying there was times where i was getting quite frustrated with it but other than that still solid game 10 out of 10 yeah absolutely I think, yeah, this is as close to 10 out of 10 as I, I think a game can get for me. Would you, would you say it's worth playing the way we play it? Is it worth playing retro reset style without a guide, without oh, the yeah. internet? No doubt. Yeah. No doubt, I think I think so, too. Because, like, I mean, the game kind of, you don't really need a guide anyways. Because as you progress through the game mm-hmm. and you go into the Metroidvania, Metroidvania thing, because it has an upgrade system. Mm-hmm. And in that upgrade system, you get like like quality of life improvements and stuff like that that kind of help you actually complete right. the game completely. You don't have to like really look up any guides or anything because it kind of gives you everything uh-huh. you need in the game. Just takes some time. So yeah, I, I totally agree. the The game gives you a map through the upgrades that allows you to find uh, a lot of the secrets, which I think makes it. Um, I don't think it's too easy because. It's helping you find the location you're supposed to go to, but even then, sometimes you have to find yeah. a special way to get around it with your new abilities. Yeah. Uh, and even when you get to it, there's like a little puzzle room you have to get through in order to even get the item. Yeah. So it's not like it's making it too easy for you. It's just telling you where you need to start well, no, in it, order to get there. It doesn't make it easy, but it gives you a guide, like a, like an arrow yeah. to follow. As far as like, if it's, you like a, it's like a it's like a built-in waypoint. Yeah, yeah. And as far as like where you're supposed to go story-wise, it isn't going to help you with that. 
It's right. You still have to go and try to decipher the prophecy piece that you get and stuff like that. Right. Later on, in the which game, you can right? pay, which you can pay to get your hand yeah. interpreted. So like, which it, is nice. They have a workaround for everybody for every playing mm-hmm. style, which I think is pretty cool. Right. That they did that. And this is this is a game that I think has a lot of replay value because I played it. You know, I played it the retro reset style, but I also did buy the map upgrade. And I think if I were to play this again, I would probably try to play it through with a, with as little hints as possible. Oh yeah, you could do I would that. try to I would try to do a playthrough where it's like, okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy the map upgrade. I'm just going to try and find everything on my own. Yeah. Which I think will be easier now that I've done it once, but still it's a it's a way that you can play it and it lets you scale your difficulty level to wherever you want to. I I, I love how they 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 they, they words they don't work in my head today okay let me try Mm -hmm. that again yeah it's another thing i really appreciate about this game too is that the play style isn't for just hardcore gamers like even newbies starting out could like get good at it with time and practice you know and absolutely and you don't have to be like oh you know i want to get all this extra stuff but i don't want to hunt through all the extra levels don't worry and it still leaves that mystery as to like where you're supposed to go next because like you look at the map and you're like well i've completed everything what am i supposed to do prophecy says blah blah Mm -hmm. blah and you'll find through exploration or for getting the hints more preferably that Mm -hmm. there are neat little paths that go everywhere so i don't know yeah it's really good design's great yeah the map doesn't the map doesn't take away exploration from you because like like you said number 1 the story stuff with the uh, with the musical notes those aren't marked on your map unless you pay for it and i was able to find all of those without paying for a location um <laughs> and <laughs> the the green seals they show you where those are but it doesn't tell you how to get there which a lot of times they're hidden behind like a secret wall or a special ability that you don't have yet uh, so the green seals, like, it's like, I have a general idea of where it is, but now I need to use my own intelligence to find it. And it still makes you feel like the smartest person in the room when, when you find it, because it's like, oh, okay, I see how to get to it now. It, it's a game that like lets you feel like you found it. Even, even though it told you the general idea of where it is, it still lets you feel like you did it. Yeah. So very much, uh, uh in my opinion to a game that's worth playing. The retro reset style definitely fits the, the retro reset uh, seal of approval as well, and um, yeah, I would definitely. I'm going to give this a hundred percent fresh, hundred percent fresh on reset tomatoes. One hundred percent Angus beef <laughs> on reset beef <laughs> company. What? Yeah, this is definitely one of USDA play reset <laughs> podcast <laughs> approved. Yeah, it's definitely have you beaten the whole game yet? No, I have not. No. Okay, so are you gonna? I'm planning on it. I don't know. Yeah, I can't. Gonna... I can't. I can't wait to talk to you about the about the ending. It's so good. Okay, so I don't. I'll oh. kind of talk to you off screen, kind of like off, mm-hmm. off as far as like how far off I am. I don't want to spoil a lot for everybody. Yeah, we don't want to. We don't. We don't want to spoil this game for you guys because it is newer. You know, we'll spoil an old game the, for you. Don't worry about it. But like yeah. for for this one, you need to go buy it and play it on your own for but sure. To give you kind of an idea of how close I am, I think the TBD or the time to beat it is uh, uh, it's like ten hours, and I think I'm like eight. So I gotta be getting okay. pretty close. But uh, right. yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, it's definitely a hit reset and play again kind of game. I can Absolutely. see myself after finishing it probably coming back to it if I'm like. Got nothing else. If there's no other big titles coming out, I'll probably be yeah, pretty distracted this, later this summer. But yeah, 
definitely. The next couple of months are going to be nuts because there's um, at the end of uh, May we're getting, or sorry, at the is it the is it June or May? Which one? I can't remember. We're 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 getting Mario Maker too. That's end of June. End of June. Yeah, end of June we're getting Mario Maker two. End of this month, what else is coming out this month? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but uh, Dragon Quest Eleven is going to come out for Switch in July. That's something I'm pretty pumped oh, about. Oh, and you know I'm absolutely playing that. And then Borderlands yeah. Borderlands Three is coming out in September, which I am not ashamed to admit that I got the uh, ultimate a premium edition, hundred dollar. Oh, you, you did? Did you get the loot box one? I got, I got the hundred dollar version, whatever that is. Oh, okay. So you didn't get the one that comes with the physical loot box. I have no idea. It's the GameStop edition. I don't know what the hell it comes with. It comes with the figure okay. or something. Uh, I've got a secret to tell you. I also got the hard Oh, no. Pink Pandora <laughs> right again. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. I'm so excited about Borderlands 3. We need to talk about that on an episode yeah, at some point. I always thought it'd be fun to do an episode on Borderlands, like pre-sequel or something. Maybe someday down yeah. the road. If people are interested, let us know. Definitely. Um, okay. So that's it for The Messenger. We'll be right back with our check-in on Chrono Trigger. By the way, haven't done anything on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we get in there. Uh, yep, I, I actually... Oh, yeah. See you later. Okay. So I have been playing. Um, and I, I, I got to the uh, first secret ending, and I'm very excited about it. The first secret. The, are you playing on the NES, the SNES? I, I, yeah, I restarted on my SNES and started up my new game plus, and immediately went for Lavos. Oh, so you really did? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. First thing. Yeah, so I'm playing through it now. I'm on God mode. I don't want to talk about it too much because I want to save it for the episode because that's going to be like we are just going to destroy that game. Oh it's, yeah, it's going to be so fun. But you need to play some more, dude. Come on. I'm going to. I lost my charger in my 3DS. As soon as I find it, I'll plug her back in. But I've also been distracted with whatever else is going on usually. So, well, the great thing about that game is you don't have to grind. So, nope, that's what I always liked yeah. about it. But man, it's 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 hard to get back in the groove of the battle system on it because like, if you don't kind of stay with it, like you go back after a month or so and you're just like, oh crap, <laughs> to be fast. Oh yeah, no, no dude, no dude. I, I switched it to wait mode for Lavos. Oh, you know, Screw I that. probably should do that. But I like the action. Yeah. I like to die. I like the active time (laughs) battle as well. I like active time battles as well. But if I'm just going to relax and play Chrono Trigger, wait mode is the only way to go. Yeah, indeed. And I'm I'm definitely a person who likes to relax with games. So like Harvest Moon, I just like to sit back. Oh, dude. Um, That's one thing that I would change, for example, about Stardew Valley. I would love it if they would make time not pass when you're in a building. Because... To me, that was one of the most fun things about Chrono Trigger is you go into a into a building, you talk to everybody, and really spend a lot of time interacting with the different characters. Stardew Valley has a lot of character interactions that you can get into, but mean, a limited amount of time to do it. Harvest, so I always feel like I'm rushing a little bit. You mean Harvest Moon? No, I mean, I like, I like how they... Did I say Chrono Trigger? You said Chrono Trigger. I mean Stardew so, Valley. Oh no! You said this. The thing you don't like about Stardew Valley is the fact that time passes. And you said that's what I like about uh, that's what I like about Chrono Trigger is they go in buildings, talk to people. I said, well, I, oh well, we- I like I like the fact that <laughs> I like the fact that in Harvest Moon you can go into buildings yeah. and interact with characters, and it doesn't waste any of your farming yeah. time. In the in in the back in the day, I don't know when that yeah. changed. We'll have to do an episode on the Harvest Moons. 
something. Yeah, definitely. Because like it's made I, a lot I think, of changes. I think we're gonna. I think at some point, like some of our episodes, especially if they're games that um, games that don't have a lot of exploration, maybe we'll do a deep dive on the series. Um, you know, for for example, like the Sonic games, right? Yeah. The Sonic Sonic Hedgehog one, two, and three, we could do one episode on. Yeah. So I think so with Harvest Moon, we could. If just... you guys had, yeah, maybe we could do like classic Harvest Moon and then an episode on modern Harvest Moon, and then they they'd compare to each other. Yeah. That'd be kind of fun. If you want to hear like compilation episodes where we talk about the history of a whole series, let us know because we would love to do that. It'd be a little bit different, uh, you know, but it's just fun because Retro Reset, you know, we can do multiple mindsets, not just one. Yeah. But if there also, if there's any games you guys would like to see us play, let us know in any of the media outlets that we have. Uh, yep. We don't have to just play the ones that we pick, you know. We we're open minded. We can we can mm-hmm. play a game you guys want to hear. Just make sure it's not like oh, play Hagane <laughs> on Super Nintendo. <laughs> um, I guess I get. Oh my god, I was just, I was just thinking about that. I was thinking we could get a repro of of Hagane of Hagen Hagen Hagane. I was just thinking about that. I saw a video on Hagane the other day. It's insanity. <laughs> I don't think we'd get very far. It's it's stupid how expensive it is. And it's also very, very, very difficult. Yeah, but it'd be a fun episode to do about collecting for sure. Yeah, it's true. I know. I kind of want the original. Okay. Someday. Someday. Yeah. Oh, I want it for my collection. Make no mistake, but I don't have $400. Yeah. Yeah. I, no I'm sorry. Feeling. I can't sell a kidney to buy a Super Nintendo I'm, game. I thought about it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, if you would like to... Uh, Send in your thoughts about our next game, uh, Fatal Labyrinth. Go ahead and give us a call at 747-21-RESET or email us at retroresetpod at gmail.com or get us on any of our social media channels at retroresetpod. Um, Speaking of go which, ahead. did we get anything for the messenger? Um, we did not actually get any for the messenger. Aww. Yeah. Put a disappointed it, crowd noise in there. Let me see here. I'll I'll check again just in case somebody sent it to us afterward. But okay. well, that's oh cool. my god, we got a new voicemail. Oh sh! Oh my, we got a new voicemail. This is live, people. We're live. We're live. We're, with a new we're voicemail. doing it live, folks. Okay. Here's a tip. You can actually unlock the uh, the shooting guy, like the uh, the army guy you see, like halfway through the game. Uh, I guess that might be a spoiler, but if you beat the game on New Game Plus enough times, you can you can unlock him to play as. It's only for like a little short level, but it's still pretty cool. Okay, so who is he talking about? I'm I'm having trouble remembering. Okay, so in when you, f- I'm, I mean, I don't know if he does say a spoiler, so I don't know. We probably want to preface before we go into this. Okay, this is spoilers. Kind of a big skip spoiler. ahead. That's kind of a big spoiler. Okay. Um, so there's, you know, when you first complete the dungeon or first complete the tower and you get your way to robe for a little while, that guy that uh-huh. comes in becomes the new messenger, the little gunner dude. Oh, right. The the sort of uh, um, steampunk ninja. Yeah. The guy with the gun. Yeah. 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 You could eventually play with him. What? Yeah. If you beat the new game plus enough times, that's what he said. Oh, that's awesome. That's okay. I'm going back to play that tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's I gotta actually find that. pretty cool. Thanks so much for sending that. That's such that. a cool tip. You, yeah, we really appreciate that. Oh man, me? I can't believe 
Uh, he did not, oh. but thank you so much for uh, for giving us a call. Oh man, I'm so psyched. Um, this is like uh, I can't believe we got a we got a voicemail like right at, under the wire. And you know what? The show's been approved on 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 uh, iTunes hey, as of today. Oh, this was like the golden hour, man. All the good stuff it just happens. all happened at once, dude. All the good stuff happens <laughs> when you're when you're when you're listening to Retro Reset podcasts. Proven fact. That's right. Okay. So again, remember, go on iTunes, leave us a review. We really appreciate it. It helps us rise up in the rankings. And you can also win a twenty dollar gift card to the platform or a t-shirt. of your choice. To the platform of your choice. Twenty dollar gift card to the gaming platform of your choice. And a t-shirt from Retro Reset, the Welcome to 1990X design that is up on our Instagram right now. Check it out. Uh, and don't forget, second place can win just the t-shirt. It's going to be awesome, dudes. Yep. So. Do it. Do it. Don't even, <laughs> why are you thinking about it? Do it. It's on, I guess it's on iTunes. You are on iTunes right now, so do it. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, and uh, thank you for sending in your uh, your voicemails, your texts, your emails to the show, and we look forward to hearing from you next time Much love. on Retro Reset. Much love. No, much don't love. say any more fan mail. Much love. Love and peace. <laughs> uh, also, make sure to tune in next week for the exclusive interview with Mr. Eyes himself, and the week after next where we will be playing Fatal Labyrinth on the Genesis. Oh, and by the way, speaking of Sega Genesis, summer's coming up. Uh-oh. You know what that means. It means it's going to be hot, <laughs> and I'm going to remove my clothing. Yes, and maybe there's a secret thing happening. Oh, but we're not going to tell you what it is. Bye-bye. Bye.